Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. on here and we we record these we try to record these half hour episodes so that we don't get yelled at and um but we do a lot of like you know pre-show and sometimes we'll hop on these these calls um and we're on zoom because russ is in florida and i'm in the midwest and um and we'll just be talking and catching up for hour hour and a half it, a lot of times we're just like, dang, man, we wish we would have like recorded that entire thing. But like by the time yeah. we hit record, like we're definitely into it, ready to go. We have laughed a ton and dissected what we're going to be chatting about and all that. So welcome back to the Larkast, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Welcome into the middle of this conversation that we've been having for the last hour. <laughs> we are glad you are here. You are joined by Russ and Tony. The Lark yes. Cats. The Lark Cats. Breaking down good news through the lens of it is finished on the Lark Cast. Yes, absolutely. And we are continuing in our conversation in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 10 today. Um, but man, before we get into that, we were we were chatting. We, we both got a lot going on right now. Yeah, dude. Which is funny because it totally ties into the passage we're about to look at. Um, you know, I've got a a house that I'm still working through with insurance companies and or company and the adjusters that are coming out and looking at things, taking pictures are back again for the third time today. I'm looking at them right now through the window as I'm speaking. Um, my parents are in town for my daughter's 21st birthday. My dad. Woo, woo. Happy birthday, um, Emily. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday. To one and last only. night. Emily, the big 21. And, uh, my dad's outside walking adjusters around and uh, getting them lined them up, down, getting them getting them lined up as he as he naturally does. Extract a little bit more around. money from that insurance. Yeah, claim. like, well, there's this wrong, and he's like, yeah, that's nonsense. That was there before. <laughs> Shut up, boys. Move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, but also, dude, got to take my little dude Eli to his first Bucks game yesterday. Shout out to Michael and Noel uh, for making that happen, man. Such an awesome experience. Eli stood at five years old and cheered every single play the entire football game. It was crazy, bro. Yeah, he's like, not like my daughter, Corinne, that wanted to go to like kid zone and get cotton candy and, <laughs> you know, all that. Like he's watching the game. Yeah, I, there was that one point where I'm like, hey, let's go get a hot dog. He goes, wait, 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 they're still playing. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, that's well, awesome. buddy, it's going to be halftime in a minute. Let's get there early. He didn't want he didn't want to go. Yeah, he's going to be the he's going to be the kind of kid that I can like for real talk, you know, sports with when he gets a little little older. Yeah, man. So, yeah, so you got all that going on. I'm in the middle of a couple of remodel projects which if you've ever you know had a you know a nine to five and other stuff going on and then you're like doing remodeling 
at night and on the weekends and stuff like that. Like it just, I'm in the middle of it, dude, right now, late nights. Um, I landed an office space in the, like this historic building in my city, which is pretty cool. My grandparents got married there a long time ago. It's in Indiana and Indiana had really lax laws back in the day for marriage. Whereas like other places would like make you wait. So people would travel. Mm they would just travel to Indiana to come get married. Like it was kind of known like this judge, like the the courthouse was known as like the marriage mill. And this judge was like known as like the dude that would just marry anybody. Didn't Muhammad Ali get married in that building and Ronald Reagan. I just found out in the building where your office is. Yeah. Reagan and Muhammad Ali. And then right down the street is where, um, Oh, what's his face. Um, the notorious uh gangster guy i can't believe it like it's like my only town's only claim to fame and i can't remember the guy's <laughs> name they made a movie about it Johnny john Depp. dillinger john dillinger that's right yeah 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 so he is jail. jail well the court the jail was down the road a little bit but um yeah so i, I got a old space there. It was built in 1880 huge tall ceilings like 15 feet tall really cool and um it's just been you know a lot just electric and paint and you know and then the stuff going on back home so i'm just like dog tired but in the midst of all that like there's a lot of really cool things happening too like i was sharing with you pre-show just like some of the yeah. conversations i'm having with people around me and you know just some really cool like just ministry and conversation and stuff like that just things to be excited about oh, so it's it. just like it's typical life right man like you got you got the things that uh, the things that shouldn't be right. The things that suck. Um, yep. and then life as it is and is sometimes and shouldn't and, and all that, um, the good stuff. So yeah. And here we are yeah. podcasting in the, in the middle of it, the just two dudes, a, just two dudes hopping on times. here to record, to tell everyone how they ought to live. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what I laughed about, man, as we were catching up. It's like you have these stories of like good things that are happening that you're celebrating that are simple and beautiful, like like these gifts of the Lord, like children and family and time together and and you know, even even fun things to enjoy, like a ball game, but also fun things to enjoy that you can even worship the Lord in and through like work and the projects, man, that you're stepping into. Uh-huh. But you know, at the same time, you've got house projects going on that are upside down. I got house projects going upside down and and I kind of found myself laughing about it, man. Pre-shows, like we're about to go dive into John ten, where Jesus is dealing with a religious crowd on one hand, and then people that are hungry for actual good news of what God's like on the other hand. And the one crowd is just constantly ramming down everybody's throat, like what should be, what yeah. should be, what should be. And uh, and in the middle of all that, you've got him going, yeah, like yeah, I know what should be. I wrote it, but what should be isn't. That that's not generally how life works. Yeah, there's tension in the midst of the beauty all the time, mm-hmm. and once you make a god out of what should be, uh, you'll miss what's actually is in mm-hmm. me, even in the midst of the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why this passage is often referred to as like speaking to what they call the good shepherd. Man, with that, I'm just gonna go ahead and read the passage, and we can dive in. Yeah, it's not like it's not like John seven and eight where it's like 60 verses a chapter like this is a pretty short section here and it's all all pretty rich so john 10 is where we're at um and he kicks off really it's an extension of what happened in in chapter nine just to bring you up to speed if this is the first lark cast you're listening to 
we ran John nine last time. And there was a man who was born blind and Jesus healed him. And instead of toasting and celebrating these yeah. religious leaders launched a religious interrogation that ended yeah. up with them kicking this man and his family out of the religious community, something known as church discipline or excommunication or whatever. And in a community like the Jewish community, that's a pretty, you know, huge deal that would have yeah. all kinds of implications, um, you know, for your family, socially, economically, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, man, there's just, Jesus is just putting a spotlight on how much religion really truly kills and robs. And so he really addresses in 10 now their leadership and their, what should be their leadership, supposed leadership and supposed care mm -hmm. of the people that they're looking after. Um, it's really not much care at all. It's just inquisition basically is what it is. Um, and so Jesus is going to do a lot of contrasting with himself and, and these guys, but 10 is really just an extension. That's not a break or a shift in scene. So he says this truly, truly, I say to you, he who does, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him. The gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus says again, he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Pause at verse 11. Mm -hmm. Dang, was using an analogy that I guess they don't understand. Like, how do they not understand? Like, how do they not understand that a shepherd is like a legitimate analogy for their role in Jerusalem as people who are paid through temple tax to lead the people, right? Teach the mm -hmm. scriptures, care for families, maybe, right? I would think that that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, my experience in in the church world, uh, like you, man, became a believer as an adult, young adult, uh, you know, out of the house sort of thing, but still, you know, young in age and uninterested in church, become a believer through a friend, man, like in the work scene, discipled in that, then plug into a church. And I just remember like plugging into the church and then later on, like serving in the church, which led to later on, like going to Bible college, right? Seminary. So the whole training, man, that I received seemed to come with this sort of notion of a good shepherd is one who basically oversees people, you know, he's responsible for all of them. He's in charge of all of them. 
He needs to do everything that they need to become the people they're supposed to be and achieve the things that they're supposed to achieve for God's good name. Mm. Okay. In his glory. And so I wonder if like these guys are having a hard time. Like they're sort of, it's almost like they're going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the whole like good shepherd thing and, and what that means. Like there's shepherds literally out in the fields right now. They should grab onto this. They shouldn't be perplexed by what he's saying, by saying that God's like this. But you wonder if if their whole training in what that means is opposite of what a shepherd actually does. Which I'm bringing up my past because that's how it happened to me. I learned about the good shepherd and what a good shepherd does, but it was all through a lens that's kind of opposite of what an actual shepherd who would have been out in the field among them, right, is doing. Mm -hmm. A shepherd is leading sheep to a place where they can feed themselves. He's leading them to a place where they can thrive. He's leading them to a place where they can rest, where they can find, right, water for their thirst. He And he does it in a way that this is all for their good, and then part of his role is just protecting them Mm -hmm. while they're in this right but everything i was trained in in the name of being a good shepherd within the church world to kind of you know parallel that to like right this this jewish community here and their leadership your job was like no man you have to like fix the sheep mm-hmm. you have to it's almost like i got trained in this idea that our job was to literally take grass and shove it in the sh- sheep's mouth in the name of feeding them right beat them when they're out of line you know what I'm saying? like all these things mm-hmm. meanwhile you would watch a shepherd in the field would never do that which is why the sheep go to him mm-hmm. and so it's this weird like dichotomy i guess might be the word for it of watching shepherd and how the beautiful act that they you see with them among right their sheep but then somehow in the name of doing that you undo everything they actually do and that's what you're then trained in and how you see it. And yeah. so when Jesus shows up like doing the things that a shepherd would do, it doesn't compute to them. And so they can't make the connection. Yeah, it's definitely Anyways, that's more, just my my thoughts over it over the years. Yeah, I mean it's definitely more like policing. Yeah. Um policing people. Um and it's kind of like it's hard to hear if you're one of these guys and you literally pride yourself on having this position in this community only to be called a wolf mm-hmm. only to be called a thief and a robber and a killer yeah. because you don't enter in by the door. The gatekeeper doesn't open the door for you. You have to climb the wall and they yep. won't listen to you willingly. So you have to force them to listen to you with yep. threats of removing them, you know, from their, you know, cultural social position and you know threatening their livelihood against their them, whole livelihood which is yeah what happened in chapter nine and jesus knows this yeah he sees like well they're they're not complying they don't want to talk to you they don't want to follow your leadership and so you use threats and yep. you bully people but to your point a shepherd man who actually like cares for sheep you don't have to wield a title or a position or an org mm-hmm. chart um people are drawn to you they want to submit to you because of your care because of your love for them and your investment in them um 
And I was just talking to my buddy yesterday, just because he and I kind of like came up in the church in the same way. I eventually came on staff like you, but he didn't, but we kind of like both were like, you know, volunteers doing all kinds of ministry. And eventually they offered me a position and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I did the whole, you know, full-time pastor thing for like, you know, 10 years. And I was just, we were just talking about leaving the Western normative church to do um, more ministry as like just shep- street shepherds, you know, just everyday yeah. people on the block, you know, like yeah. at our local, you know, spots, wherever we go, wherever we are, right. wherever we find ourselves, life, work, play, leisure, right? You got your bars and spots you go to, the people you know, how you're culturally embedded where you are. And I have the same where I am. Dude, a t- like titles mean nothing. Nothing. In this, nothing. In fact, education you have, in fact, what I found, yes. In fact, what I found having a title for the first, I think it was like four years of being here actually hindered me in being able to get to a place where I can have good conversations with my neighbors at like a spiritual level, you know, deeper in life. There was a lot of suspicion oh, yeah. towards me. You Bro, know, what shuts sure. down a conversation on a plane quicker than what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> right. This is, this is what happens. Oh, let me put these headphones in. That's nice. (laughs) So these guys like are all into just their title and their position and they're just, they're bullies, man. And and Jesus is like, dude, you're robbing, killing and destroying. You think you're doing it in God's name. Let me, let me tell you, let me give you an example of what this looks like. A shepherd brings them out of their uh, gate and they can go to and from and find pasture. And I love that yep. phrase because it totally, you, you think of protection, you think of freedom, you think of rest there, yeah. right? Not like, damn, you better get lined up or else. Or this is over, man. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a beautiful scene within that. I, I call it, and we've talked about this before a lot. It's freedom, but it's freedom in dependency. Mm-hmm. Two words in dependency. The sheep live in dependency upon the shepherd. He's not shoving grass in their mouths. Okay. He's not forcing their heads under water to make them drink. He's not beating them until they're tired and they finally go to sleep. Instead, he's caring for them and providing a, there's a safety. There's a dependency that comes with being connected to the shepherd that allows them to go to and from and enjoy these things like rest and water and food and connection with others. You know what I mean? There's all this beauty, man, in these simple things that's all provided by the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. But if you think these sheep need to be something different than what they are, that they need to graduate to some next level, if they need to climb some ladder to achieve some certain status or position, right? Well, then now all of a sudden you're not the good shepherd, right? You're, you're more like a tyrant boss, you're, you're looking constantly at what should be and then forcing everyone around you to steer clear of what shouldn't be in the name of becoming and achieving what should be. Mm-hmm. In their case, right, the law. Not realizing that that law is good and beautiful, and it is a picture of harmony. By all means, walk in it. But at no point is God ever saying that walking in this is somehow dependent upon our relationship with him. In fact, if the law is going to do anything, it's just going to reveal to you that you're not going to be able to walk in this. Hence, here comes the good shepherd 
and one will be dependent upon and learn to move in and about all the simple, beautiful things of life that are right. That are in front of us. But you guys aren't like that. You you're driving these people toward what should be like slave drivers. And so therefore you rob from them, you kill, you destroy, you even steal the very joy in life and rest and adventure. Mm -hmm. You could even say freedom, yeah. right? That they've been given in me. You rob it. You, you, you steal it. Mm -hmm. And which is shown in chapter nine. Oh, they it's literally I mean, exactly robbed. what they did. They robbed and killed a whole yeah. celebratory moment. Yeah. And a family. And ruined that a family. family. lost. Yeah. Those parents lost their livelihood, their business, mm -hmm. their home, their whole right. social community. Gone, bro. Canceled in a second. Mm -hmm. This is what religion does yeah. in the name of what should be. In the name of what should be. And so the shepherd gets lost in this and. I'll just say this, dude, there's two times in my life where I have been moved to tears in the presence of actual sheep. Okay. Like actual, like shepherd sheep, like the real ones walking around that you shave and make jackets from and even eat, you know what I'm saying? Depending on like your cultural background. One um, of these stories better be like just <laughs> a fantastic roasted leg of lamb or something like that. It's like, that would be, also bring me to be what, what that would <laughs> also bring me to tears. I was in the Ukraine in 2008. I traveled across the country with a former Ukrainian family that escaped under a communist rule, came to America, was a part of a church plant that I led in Asheville. Went over there with them and we did a bunch of ministry among the orphans in different cities and traveled and spoke. And we took uh, this huge group of orphans, man, that they had picked up off the street at this one orphanage. By the way, they don't have like a system like we do. So these kids are literally like on the street begging at like seven. Mm -hmm. and I got a chance to go with them and we took all these kids and we took them to Crimea, which is this aisle at the bottom of, you know, the Ukraine is this beautiful, like mountainous region in the ocean and, or I should say the sea. But I remember walking over this hill in the middle of nowhere. And there's a shepherd walking across the field, like an actual shepherd dude who sleeps on the ground outside year round, carrying a staff with this whole herd of sheep walking with him. And dude, there was like this, like, like a connection, man, that you could see in what he did, noises that he made, directions that he went in, you know what I mean? Where they would follow. Hmm. And then he led them to this one area where they all started to eat and he just sat down and just watched them. And he watched them with like this joy. Like, I'm just so happy to be here in this moment. Just to be with him, man. I just remember just watching that from afar and like, I couldn't, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't help, man. But like shit, just shed tears of joy going, wow, mm. you don't see that. Right. Like, yeah. In Tampa, the analogy is a bit boats. disconnected for us, <laughs> you know, because right. we don't live in a culture like that. Yeah. And then there was just one other quick time where I went to another place like this um, in, a, in the U S and there was sheep everywhere in this field and they moved into this massive barn and they're making all this crazy, you know, noise and they're all spread out. And there's all these people and they're walking around and they're looking at them and they're doing tours, you know what I mean? Like of this, of this farm and all, and all these sheep dude are like clueless as to what's going on. And there's all this noise, again, all these people walking around talking and then in walks this dude among all these same people. 
who's just starts talking to a guy that's walking next to him. No different than anyone else there. And bro, they all started making the same noise and herded together and all moved in a mass group toward him. And they walked along the edge of the fence as a group, as he walked and talked with this dude. And I was like, holy cow. Like they knew his voice. They heard his voice the minute he walked in and he can make the distinction among all the other voices. Yeah. And they joyfully went to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, that's so opposite of the relationship. All these people are having with the Pharisees. Yeah. Who think they're shepherds Mm -hmm. and they're anything but. Yeah. Even though they have an example of, of that all around them. Yeah. That's great. That's really, really good. Two things come to my mind as you shared. One is the whole, these guys are definitely dialed in on what ought to be, what should be. And they, they seem to be just like bypassing the heart completely, not caring at all about just the, the process or the heart that's included. Jesus seems to kind of like really highlight that in the sermon on the Mount. Um, like, man, if you really want to go in on the law here, well, then your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. And then he gets yeah. into, you know, matters of matters of the heart, which is where you really take a real, true, honest look at yourself. These guys are just interested in, you know, compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the awesome things about the gospel um is that, you know, God was made flesh in Christ. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that I think Jesus is able to um, have such sympathy and compassion is because he knows what it's like to be human. You know, he mm-hmm. knows, he knows our experience. And so in, in the midst of all, like what should be or shouldn't be and ought to be, I think that just God is the God of what is he is the God of what actually is in our lives. And he comes and meets us there. And because he's been made flesh, he has sympathy, you know, because he's lived this life. He was tempted in every respect as we are Hebrews, Mm -hmm. uh, chapter, uh, four, I think. Um, but you know, was without sin, but understood temptation. He knows what it's like to live our experience. The other thing is, um, the whole idea of like the, these sheep hearing this guy's voice. I think one of the hard things as a Christian um, and actually being in relationship with God and just navigating this life, all everything in my own head and heart and life and other people around me. And, you know, all these kinds of things is like actually like discerning, you know, what is God's voice. And there's a lot of like, I don't know if you wrestle with this, but I, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I know you wrestle with this because I know you're like one of my best friends. It's like, there's a lot of like inner condemnation and just judgment and guilt and shame and fear, you know, that, that happen internally. Yeah. And a lot of times, man, like I, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but there was a time in my life where I had a really hard time discerning between voices of condemnation, fear, and shame and the soft, subtle voice of just, I love you. And I would say it was probably like 2012. I had a breaking point. I had just left 
the church I was at for four years, went to this church plant and the shepherd that was there, the pastor that was there was very much like these Pharisees. And I was just trying so hard to like live up to these expectations and like be this person I wanted to be. And I couldn't do it. I literally, I came to a breaking point and it was hard, but it was like so good because I feel like for the very first time in a very long time, I just reveled in God's love for me while sitting on my bed. Like it was just like a weekday afternoon. I was just like, I can't, I can't do any of this. I'm not any of this. But then like, God was so good to just be like, I just, I love you. And I remember just being overwhelmed with just that simple idea, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah. And then just trying to fight to hear his voice that no condemnation, all these like yeah. good, juicy, gracious words that we've been drawn out in John's gospel, you know, his yeah. voice versus someone else who's trying to rob, kill and destroy. Yeah. It's good, man. So good. And you have sometimes what I experience and have been guilty of for sure is in the fear that people will somehow abuse this or that it will somehow turn into a license that they'll go run out and you know do whatever and say that it's okay because God loves me. We wind up robbing, stealing, killing, right? And destroying mm-hmm. because that's just what religion does. Mm-hmm. Religion thinks that uh, what should be needs to be. Mm -hmm. That what should be needs to be. And it needs to be fast and right now. And it works to, to accomplish that. Where what I find in the scriptures is a God who's saying what should be is good and beautiful. Mm -hmm. But it is not needed for me to love you. Life not will needed always... for me to be your shepherd. Right. Yeah. It's not needed for uh, him to go pursue you, even if you're not part of the fold yet. Yep. Which we got some parables about that for sure that we can dive into. But yeah, but even in your own story, man, in my story, like, I love the way you put it. He's the God of what is. He's not giving a, a blank page and saying, yeah, go do whatever you want. Right. right. If anything, he's warning us always about things that are going to, that are, that are going to yeah, definitely make life hard. But mm-hmm. in the middle of it, he's saying, I'm the God of what is mm-hmm. the shepherd is the shepherd of what is what the sheep need to be, should be, could be, ought to be. It's irrelevant. It, it's, it's, these are the sheep and yeah. I love them because I love them and I'm with them and lead them because I love them. Period. Dude, that's, that's a beautiful truth, man, that you just cannot take away. Yeah. He, he cares for us. He's made us. He sustains us. The, the breath that I've used in my life to, to just kind of cry out in genuine moments that he's good is given by him. And the same breath I've used to complain and grumble under my breath. And you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And like, point fingers at him and, you know, be uh, lack gratitude, you know, is also given, you know, by him too and his patience. I mean, he, he cares for us. My favorite Psalm dude is Psalm 103. And there's this one little phrase in there. It just says, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we're dust. Like he remembers like where we came from. He knows our frame. Like he knows us. 
he knows we're fickle. He knows we're faithless. He knows that we're prone to bitching and complaining and making bad decisions and not doing the ought to be thing very well. He knows that. Yep. He know he knew that about us when he came with the specific purpose to lay down his life, as we see here in John 10. The good yep. shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He for knew sheep. exactly who we were when he jumped into a reconciled relationship with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's just it's pretty mind blowing when you when you really stop to think about it. It really is, man. It really is. No, I'm getting teared up. Thanks a lot. Amen. That's what this that's what these that's what these truths do, man. They reveal to us that the most of us have spent most of our lives. Some of us are spending our very lives right now in good faith to an imaginary God. Yeah. And Jesus is pointing that out and saying, Yeah, that's not at all what I'm like. I am the good shepherd. Um, who lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Bro, that's a mic drop right there. You don't take my life from me. I willfully lay it down. And I do this for these people because I love them. I made them. That's why I reconcile them. I will hold them. I will care for them. I will bring them home. There is one shepherd and there is one flock. And bro, if there was ever a passage to make war on all of our paradigms of church, it's that one. Mm -hmm. The, no, my tribe's this and my tribe's that and my tribe's over here. No, my, you're not a part of my tribe. You're a part of that tribe my leader this, my pastor that. It's like, bro, there is, as the scriptures reveal, one church, one flock, one shepherd. And it's him, dude, that any under shepherd, right? Anybody that you want to call a leader, a teacher, mm -hmm. right? Our job, man, is simply pointing people to the good shepherd mm -hmm. who laid down his life for us and saying, man, life's found in him. Mm -hmm. I'm here just to help you. I'm here really just to remind you, to teach you of that truth, to invite you into that, man, to walk with you in it. There is nothing else I can do for you. You know why? Because I'm a part of the flock with you. <laughs> if you want to get technical, right. yeah. I'm just, I'm just another was, sheep with you. I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say. So good, man. He has I think this is why they sheep. call it good news. Exactly. He has other sheep that are not of this fold. And I wonder if it's like Jesus comes and really is 
sharing in vivid ways stories of forgiveness and inclusion, right? For those yeah. their whole entire life who have been told they're on the outside. So instead of forcing, you know, religion um, upon people, instead of forcing what is or what ought to be rather onto people or even protecting, you know, like in a real, like, um, you know, kind of just guarding who's in, you know, kind yeah. of a, kind of a thing, you know, Jesus all of a sudden starts eating meals and including tax collectors, like for crying out loud, political insurrectionists, like dudes that are like among his squad, yeah, you know, dude. Simon's straight Zeller, up Matthew. like playboys, prostitutes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, dealers. And so like, no wonder, <laughs> no wonder why, like these guys are just getting like the worst of who these dudes are, are coming out because he is yep. freaking jacking with everything they believe and do their whole modus operandi. I don't know. I don't think I even said that right. No, I might have to edit that out Their MO. Um, and he's, you know, and they're, they're proving to be hired hands who run in the face of a wolf. Um, he's exposing that in them. Not yep. because I think he wants to be like a jerk. Um, no, no, I think I want to get into it now, people. but yep. He definitely reveals later on in the chapter as we'll get into in the next episode, man, like he's not doing this out of spite or hatred or dislike even. This is from a place of compassion, man. Mm -hmm. Healing that that family, that dude on the Sabbath, out of compassion. Yeah. What he's saying right now to reveal this to the Pharisees, compassion. Sermon on the Mount, where he's like, oh, you guys are all about like what ought to be and what that looks like. Oh, cool. Out of compassion, let me show you what that actually means. Yeah. But he definitely wields tension in a masterful way. Like yeah, he creates purposely. this, he creates this whole scene just yeah. by healing this guy, you know, on the Sabbath. Um, but it's got, it's the, you got to face the truth yeah, of what is, yeah. you know, before, before you can, you can actually see a God who loves you in your, what is, because if yeah. I'm over here in fantasy land about my, what is, and I'm making excuses for my what is, and I'm oh, like yeah, softening my what is. It's okay and... that we're struggling right now, but the Lord is good. I feel like something's coming. <laughs> and that's one of the beautiful things about grace is it allows you to call a thing a thing. Yep. It allows you to be honest. Because if I need my record and my life and my righteousness to count, then I need I need to I need to polish that turd as much as I can, dude. I need to put as much lipstick on that pig as I can. I need, to, I need to make that thing look nice and shiny. But if I know that I have the righteousness of someone else given to me as a gift, if yeah. I know I'm loved and held by a love that will never run out, well, then I think I'm free to just kind of say what is. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you got me. That's lipstick on a pig, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like. Oh man, I was really no. proud of that turd <laughs> yeah. that I spent a lot of years polishing. Yeah. That resume I had over there. Yeah, man. We get to uh we get to set down the resume, man, and 
pick up that party invitation. Mm-hmm. Recline in the goodness of a shepherd who says, no, this is a story about me and my love for you. Welcome. What we're saying is really just captured in this one phrase. I'm the door. Which Mm. is kind of crazy because he was saying legitimate shepherds enter by the door, not climb the walls. Right. And he's saying, I'm the door. You won't enter by way of me. You want to enter through Moses. Moses is not the door at yeah. all. Moses will have you scaling walls, dude, and yeah. ruining lives. That's what disciples of Moses do. I'm the door. When you yeah. enter through me, man, now you have the wisdom of God, which is the gospel, which is Jesus himself, to be able to look at relationships this way. To yep. be able to process any kind of leadership or any kind of shepherding. But Through he says, I am. Yeah, he is. He says, I'm, I'm the door. Anyone who's enter, enters by me will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. You get this idea. It's like in and out, man. Freedom. It's freedom. Yep. Yeah, you're going to live independency on me. In and out. And that's where, that's where life, that's where the dance, right, is found. You're free to stop turning it into a march. Yeah, it's a dance. Change right? that. Dude. Till next time, because the story only gets better from here in chapter 10. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.